Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. We had both just turned 27 years old, and we were in shock that something like this happened to us. Um, We knew that the test result came back for something, positive for something, but we didn't know what. We knew no matter what it was, it was life-altering, permanent, and possibly deadly. Um, And so we got to the doctor's office. And he said, well, it's not good news. Your child has a 99.9% chance of having Down syndrome. And it's normally at times like these, people want to talk about their options. But for today's guest, there was only one option, and that was to birth her child. We're joined today by Jillian Benfield. She's the author of a book titled The Gift of the Unexpected, Discovering Who You Were Meant to Be When Life Goes Off Plan. And this was inspired by that moment. Today in Connection, she's going to share with us how undergoing the unexpected gives us the opportunity to let go of our old selves, tearing down false beliefs about our identities, humanity, and the divine. We're joined today by Jillian Benfield. She is an author. Her latest book is titled The Gift of the Unexpected. And we're going to get around to that in just a little bit. But first of all, we just want to get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I am a prior TV news anchor and reporter uh, turned military wife. My husband and I lived in, I think, a total of eight states together in a very, no, I'm sorry, six states together in eight years. Um, so yes, we moved more than the average military family because of his schooling. Um, and let's see, uh, we got the surprise of our lives, uh, in the middle of that, a year into our military experience, when we found out that our, uh, middle child would be rocking an extra chromosome, uh, which kind of changed the trajectory of my life greatly. Um, and now I, uh, have channeled my prior journalism skills into, um, writing, um, a blog, social media platforms, now a book called the gift of the unexpected. And I've got three kids total, a husband, and we have finally settled. We are no longer in the military. We have finally settled on the space coast of Florida and are loving our coastal lives here. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. You mentioned your book in there, the title of the book, The Gift of the Unexpected. And you you kind of shared a little bit about the unexpected moment that inspired this book. Tell us a little bit more about the moment that inspired this. Yeah. So um, I'll take you back to our first military move, which was in uh, 2014, I had just finished up my news anchor and reporter job in Georgia, and the military moved us across the country to Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was the perfect amount of time to take off of TV news because it was an 11 month assignment and we had just had our first child. And I thought when we got our next assignment, I would go back to TV news. Uh, well, May 8th, 2014 rolled around and my husband, um, told me that we were going to Holloman Air Force Base. And I said, Andy, where is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, Alamogordo, New Mexico. And we both got very, very quiet because there is not even a target in Alamogordo, New Mexico, let alone a TV news station. And so I cried all day long uh, mm-hmm. because at the time my identity was very attached to what I did. And later that day, I had this uh, little voice in my head that told me to take a pregnancy test. And Mm. I did. And it was positive. And we were not in the business of trying. And so I just said, okay, God, okay. You want me to be a stay-at-home mom? I get it. I thought I had it all figured out. 
Uh, so then we moved to Alamogordo and eight days after we arrived, it was time for my 20 week ultrasound. And I noticed that the tech was taking a really long time. And finally the doctor walked in and told us that there were several markers on the ultrasound that indicated that our child had a higher chance of having a trisomy. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, it means that your child has a higher chance of having a condition like down syndrome. So I got blood work done. Eight days later after that, my husband called me again. And this time he said, the doctor called, it's not good. I'm coming home. And I just remember my 21 week pregnant body just falling to the kitchen floor and the words, oh no, oh no, oh no, this doesn't feel real. This doesn't feel real. Just pouring out of my mouth and Andy walked in and I could tell he was going to be sick. And I started unbuttoning his military uniform. And after he did get sick, I remember him laying his head on my chest and his hot tears just rolling down my shirt. Um, we had both just turned 27 years old and we were in shock that something like this happened to us. Um, we knew that the test result came back for something positive for something, but we didn't know what we knew no matter what it was, it was life altering, permanent and possibly deadly. Um, and so we got to the doctor's office and he said, well, it's not good news. Your child has a 99.9% .9 chance of having Down syndrome. And it's normally at times like these people want to talk about their options. And I said, what options? And he said, um, option one is you terminate the pregnancy. And I said, well, what's option two? And he said, option two is you continue your pregnancy with a high-risk doctor. Uh, but don't worry, don't worry. You don't have to be a hero. You can have the baby here if you decide not to go through with the termination and we can keep him comfortable, but we don't have to do anything drastic to save his life. So in other words, we could have our baby to keep our consciences clean, but we could let him die of natural causes. So the doctor believed that our son would have a life that was not worth living. So I grieved as if a death had taken place. And it would take me weeks, months, maybe even a couple of years to really understand that I had more in common with the doctor than I wanted to admit. And that's a lot of what this book is about. It's about the unlearning and then the learning and ultimately the transformation that can come when the unexpected hits our lives. You dealt with grief for months. What would you say to those who feel stuck in grief? in those unexpected moments? I think stuck in grief is um, not necessarily a bad thing as it's made out to be, um, because I do think there's a kind of grief that comes where you have no choice but to sit under the weight of it. And what I would say to those people is there is this really intense push in Western culture and in church culture to get to the other side of grief as quickly as possible. And what I am saying is that I don't think that's the way we're supposed to handle it. Instead, I think when we look to especially the Psalms, um, we are supposed to go all the way through it. And I think ultimately Jesus quoting the Psalms on the cross uh, shows us that um, um, we are supposed to, um, I think he, it was an act of solidarity. I think he is showing us how to be 
um, human and in relationship with this God that wants to have a relationship with us. And so, um, yeah, I think that's what I would say. You asked such a beautiful question in your book, and I would love if you don't mind answering it. How can a person move forward while holding joy and grief in the same hand? Yeah, uh, I get asked this question a lot, and I think it's something I, I probably need to explore even further for myself as my writing continues, because I think that this idea is very freeing to people, you know, that it, you don't have to say, so how I illustrate this in the book is I used to be a big butt user. So when Anderson was first born, it was nothing for us to be at the doctor's office every day some sort of doctor therapy appointment, something. There was just a lot happening in the beginning and it was incredibly hard. Um, but I would say, you know, this is really hard, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, just trying to flip that on a positive as, as quickly as I could um, in order to be a PR team for myself, I think. And I also think there's this big pressure to be the PR team for our religion too. Um, and what I'm saying is that a better way to treat our difficult circumstances is to say, and this is my reality today, parenting Anderson is the hardest thing I have ever done. And it is one of my greatest gifts. Both of these things are true. I do not have to choose one or the other. I think so much of our lives, our reality is lived in this and space. And we do not have to wallow <laughs> in our hard circumstances. And nor do we have to only look at the shiny parts. We can hold it all in both of our hands. And I think that when we do that, we can see, yes, there is harshness here. And yes, there is goodness. And the whole of it, when we hold it all together, it's beautiful. Now, instead of using the word overcoming, you like to use the word undergoing. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So if you Google image the word overcoming, uh, what you're going to find is um, a person standing atop a mountain with arms stretched overhead. Um, and also, if you look up a, a th thesaurus, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, another word for undergoing is to suppress. And I think that is largely what is expected of us, that we are supposed to push through, suppress these feelings um, so that we have this image of ourselves standing atop a mountain that we have, you know, claimed victory over this circumstance. Um, if you Google image the word undergoing, what you're going to find is somebody who's about to undergo surgery. And I think when the unexpected happens that we really, the better way is to undergo. And what I mean by that is we have to admit we're in need of help, seek out that help, dig into the deep, dark spaces that are paining us, confront that pain, and then pursue healing on the other side of that surgery. That's what undergoing is. And so when the unexpected hits, like I said in the beginning, I think that we are given an opportunity to, um, to unlearn a lot of the things that might be paining us in that process. You know, for me, when it came to having a child with a disability, I realized that so much of my grief was tied to similar outlook on life that the doctor had, which was we're only 
living worthy lives if we are living quote unquote successful lives Mm -hmm. in the eyes of our American peers, you know, that success equaled worth. That was so much of my work um, when the unexpected hit my life. And I think honestly, when the unexpected hits all of our lives, it can leave us feeling like we're living a less than life because we're not, we don't have a life that is uh, enviable anymore. And so I think that no matter what those feelings are, when the unexpected hits, um, whether you're feeling unloved, unchosen, I'm not blessed, you know, those things, I think that it gives us an opportunity to really dive into those, um, to go to the Bible, to other resources, and to see what do I have about this that's wrong. And to start unpacking that and then start replacing those ideas with better ones, I think. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's that's really the process of, of undergoing. It's a great new perspective and a great new way to look at things in a way that can actually turn these situations around. Now, when it comes to like a situation like yours, when you find out your son's, you know, diagnosed with Down syndrome, um, one of the first questions that most people ask when they get a diagnosis or something like this, they go, why, why, why me? Why, why is this happening? Why is the big question? Is it beneficial to ask that? And if so, why? I do think that there's benefit in asking why. I think there's a huge pushback, again, against asking why, that you're not asking the right question. Well, actually, I think that why allows us to wrestle with our creator. I think when we are asking those questions, not that we'll ever get the answer, we might not, um, but that the why helps us to try to understand God's ways more. And I think that there is a point where you have to stop asking the why question. But I think in the beginning, I think the why question is really important to helping helping us to shape our own views about God, um, to shape to help our relationship with God and to form our, our theologies, but maybe, maybe even for the first time, you know, so many of us live with the faith that's been handed to us. And so I think that the why can really help in so many ways. And so there's a chapter in the book called letting go. And I do think there's a point where we have to let that why go. But now I can tell you what I think about that why question, but I hold it loosely because I know I will never have the corner on God's truth. And so if you if you know that going into it, great. That's even better. But I think that why is actually a great catalyst to a deeper faith. While you're going through this grief, I think a lot of people would love to know what biblical promises did you find in this change that you could hold on to? Yeah, I would say the biggest one that I'd probably want to touch on is that we have a God of resurrection. And I think that the resurrection is not just about what happens to us at the end of this life. Um, I think that resurrection is a process that happens in and out and over again in this life to all of these little deaths that we experience in this life. And um, for your listeners listening who maybe um, have experienced something where they just want things to go back to the way they were. Um, I can't say that they will, you know, I I cannot say that life might ever look the same, but what I, how I do believe that God interacts in the world is he takes dead things. He takes broken things and he takes pieces from what was, 
and then create something new out of it. I think that this is evident in Jesus's own resurrection. And I also think that God speaks to us in many ways. And I think that nature is one of them. And if you think, look at some of our most beautiful sites in the whole world, um, they are the products of death and resurrection. And I think that God is whispering to us that um, he can bring new life out of what seems dead. We know that full well here in Manitoba. I don't know if you've ever been to Winterpeg or Winnipeg, as it actually is called. <laughs> but uh, every spring, I mean, we've got snow still. So we're just waiting for that pop of life. And that is such a great reminder. Thank you for that. How can we handle unexpected seasons that don't have a bright side? Yeah. Um, I would say... Gosh, I, I think I would almost answer it the the same way as I just answered the last question. Um, and just know that if you are willing to walk all the way through this event, that um, a famous pastor says that there's two major pathways to transformation. And one is great love, love and one is great suffering. And I think that Oftentimes when we are hit by the unexpected and something that is so devastating, it is because of great love, right? And that's what causes the great suffering. And so there might not be a silver lining in your circumstance. That person that maybe you lost may never come back. Um, but I do think that we can become new in the process and that there can be purpose brought from that newness, um, that we can end up healing people eventually alongside our creator, um, that we can relate to them in a way that is healing and that a, a way that maybe they don't have the opportunity anywhere else. You know, we become exceptionally equipped to hurt those who are, I'm sorry, to heal, help heal those who have hurt the same way that we have hurt. And if there's nothing else to hold on to, I would say hold on to that. That transformation can come and that purpose can come from that transformation. For our listeners out there who are interested in learning more about your story, about picking up your book, how can they go about doing that? Sure. So the book is called The Gift of the Unexpected, Discovering Who You Are Meant to Be When Life Goes Off Plan. And it is available on Amazon. Target and it's always 30% off um, at Baker Publishing Group. And um, my writings are at Jillian Benfield on Facebook, Jillian Benfield blog on Instagram. And I've got three free ebooks on my website, which is JillianBenfield.com. Thank you so much for making time for us today. We do appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us and listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.